latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this September the 1st. 2022 Thursday morning, praise be to God, you are only one day away from enjoying your weekend. But here's a good question. I mean, so many of us absolutely love St. Padre Pio. We have a devotion to St. Padre Pio. He's my uh, confirmation saint. I mean, he chased me into the Catholic Church, praise be to God. But did he use vulgar language? Especially when he was trying to uh, be a little bit more, let's just say, stern with ardent sinners who refuse to actually be, you know, uh, to uh, repent. Sinners who refused to change their ways. He had a little bit of a reputation, but would he have used vulgar language? You know, we discussed the Shia LaBeouf conversion story and the conversation with Bishop Robert Barron last week and how St. Padre Pio affected him in the traditional Latin Mass. Uh, that video is available to you if you want to recount that. The podcast is as well. However, there is a scene from the film that's been released where Shia LaBeouf depicts St. Padre Pio actually using the F-bomb with somebody in the confessional. And I'm going to share that scene with you. I've edited to take out the F-bomb. But nonetheless, I'll share that. But we're going to have a conversation with uh, a director, uh, Angelo Labuti, who's been on the program many times. He is a pro, he has a movie about St. Padre Pio that he's working on as well. And he also has a very, very unique, very close connection to St. Padre Pio. And we're going to get his take on all of this. Would St. Padre Pio have used vulgar language? That's coming up at 15 past the hour. Father Donald Calloway is going to be on the program at 35 past the hour to respond to video that has, it's old video. I think it came out in like 2014, but it's been circling the internet. Recently, it's an Irish priest, uh, Father uh, Hoban, I think is his name, and uh, he's basically lamenting young priests today in Ireland because they're just a little too, little too reverent, they're a little too uh, old school, they're a little too traditionally minded for his take. In fact, he wishes there would that they, he'd rather have no priests than those priests. And that's kind of strange coming from Ireland since they're basically dying on the vine. Father Donald Calloway will respond to that coming up at 35 past the hour. A 600 Mississippi National Guardsmen are out uh, helping uh, to distribute water. There's an ongoing water crisis there. Please do keep them in your prayers. A U.S. District Court ruled Thursday that a California, uh, the California must exempt employers and churches from paying for abortions and their health plans. Praise be to God. Ford Motor Company has recalled like 277,000 vehicles because their backup cameras are getting foggy. So if that applies to you, you go to your local Ford dealer and get that taken care of. Texas Governor Greg Abbott is now busing migrants to Chicago in addition to D.C. and New York. That's fun. And then uh, Mary Queen of Angels Catholic Church, a historic Kansas church, has suffered severe damage. Uh, please do keep them in your prayers. The good news is, praise be to God, the crucifix and the altar appeared to be untouched by the flames. That is good news indeed. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And... Uh... I am also untouched by flames. You are this un- morning. Well, <laughs> if, so far, if uh, Saint Padre Pio were here, would he agree <laughs> that you are untouched by flames? Well, would he in the confessional? Would he, or would he have chased you out? I wish mm. sometimes that uh, the the confessors would chase people out yeah. of the confessional. 
Just I, like he used to. I did get chastised once in a confessional. I think it's good. I think the best con- confessions I've ever made are the mm-hmm. ones where I've I've had a little bit of pushback mm-hmm. there, especially mm-hmm. when the priest will ask, well, what is your purpose of amendment? What are you going to do to take care of that? Right. <laughs> Didn't you confess that last time, too? <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Love Speaking that. of chastisements, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Howdy, howdy. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Is it? It is. Praise be to God. You know, I am looking forward to the weekend though are you i am we're still a whole day away from that a whole day away 24 hours less than 24 hours i will be sleeping (laughs) it's gonna be great it's gonna be great great. you will sleep when you are dead sir eternally okay you're you're too young to be thinking about sleeping at this point Mm, i don't know you sleep later i don't know (laughs) i think right now is a good time to start thinking about it is it Mm -hmm. Uh, you're going on vacation it's a it's a good time to begin to think about Sleeping. He's, see, he's what we call a short timer. <laughs> he, he's not even thinking about his tasks, what he's got to accomplish. He's thinking about being on vacation next no, week. No, I'm thinking about sleeping. Silent quitter. <laughs> All right. Uh, Monday is Labor Day, by the way. So it'll be a uh, best of episode on Monday, but Tuesday through Friday next week is going to be a lot of fun and a roller coaster ride with Adrian not in the chair. Mike Koeniger will be joining us to, to fill in. But uh, nonetheless, we have a lot to get to today. I'm looking forward to our conversation about St. Padre Pio with Angelo here coming up in just a moment. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning into Catholic Drive Time. Today is Thursday, September 1st. It's September. Wow. It's amazing. And here are your headlines this morning. Epic Times reports Putin benches Russian defense minister for failures in Ukraine. The British defense ministry reports that the Russian defense minister Sergei Shoigu has been pushed to the sidelines of the Ukraine conflict by Russian President Vladimir Putin. The report said operational commanders are bypassing Shoigu and communicating directly with the Kremlin. The British report noted that Putin has fired at least six other generals since the invasion began, so Shoigu must still be in the present good graces of uh, President Putin if he gets benched quietly instead of getting publicly fired. And Reuters reports WMO forecasts first triple dip La Nina of the century. If you're curious as to what that means, it means... The La Nina weather pattern will last until the end of the year, becoming the first time of this century that it had spanned three consecutive northern winters. This is according to the World Meteorological Organization's forecast. La Nina refers to the cooling of ocean surface temperatures coupled with winds and rainfall. It usually has the opposite impact on weather and climate such as El Nino, which is the warm phase of the so-called El Nino Southern Oscillation. Sky News reports British policing has lost its way as public fears officers are too woke, a report finds. David Spencer, the former Metro Police Detective Chief Inspector, says officers should avoid behavior such as taking the knee, which can easily be interpreted by others as an expression of a partisan political view. Met police officers were seen taking the knee at a Black Lives Matter protest in London the same year. Mr. Spencer also noted officers should avoid such behavior as well as not wearing badges on their uniforms that link them to a certain cause in order to maintain the public's confidence that the police officers are acting with impartiality. 
And DW reports, PM Kishida apologizes for party's ties with Unification Church. The Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida ap apologized on Wednesday for his uh, party's ties with the Unification Church. He says, quote, There are still many people who are concerned and suspicious of strong ties due to a number of media reports on the matter, Kishida told the news conference. For this, I offer my sincere apologies as the president of the Liberal Democratic Party. The organization faces intense scrutiny following the assassination of former Premier Shinzo Abe. Abe's alleged killer resented the church, claiming it bankrupted his mother. He blamed Abe for promoting it, according to his social media posts and, his, and other reports. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Beatrice da Silva. Born in 1424, Beatrice da Silva was a Portuguese noblewoman, one of 11 children born to Rui Gomes da Silva, first governor of Campo Major, Portugal, after it was reconquered from Arab rule, and of Isabel de Minces, the Countess of Portugal. One of her brothers was the blessed Amadeus of Portugal OFM, a noted confessor and reformer of the Order of the Friars Minor. She was raised in the castle of Infante John Lord Reguangos de Monzares. In 1447, Beatrice accompanied his daughter, Princess Isabel of Portugal, as her lady-in-waiting, when Isabel went to marry King John II of Castile and Leon. She became a close friend of the queen, but unfortunately her beauty made Isabel jealous. It is said that a suitor whom Beatrice had rejected insinuated to the queen that Beatrice was a rival for the king's affection, and she imprisoned Beatrice in a tiny cell. There is a story that she shut her in a chest, and after a few days, a relative concerned about Beatrice's welfare persisted in questioning Isabel. The queen showed him the chest where, expecting to find a body, he found Beatrice in perfect health. While in prison, Beatrice had a vision of Our Lady who told her to found a new order in her name. Beatrice escaped and went to Toledo. On the journey, she met two Franciscan friars who told her she would be the mother of many children. She protested that she had taken a vow of purity to the Queen of Heaven. What we have said will come to be, they told her, and then they vanished. Beatrice believed that Mary had sent St. Francis and St. Anthony themselves to give her consolation. In Toledo, she took refuge with the Dominican nuns for 37 years, led a life of holiness without becoming a member of that order. In 1484, Beatrice and a few companions took possession of a palace in Toledo set apart for them by the new Queen Isabella, who married Ferdinand of Aragon, you know, the one who sent out Christopher Columbus. Isabel of Castile was a devout woman and took a great interest in Beatrice's work. The monastery was named Santa Fe, which was dedicated to honoring the Immaculate Heart of Mary. In 1489, with the permission of Pope Innocent VIII, the nuns adopted the Cistercian rule, bound themselves to daily recitation of the Divine Office of the Immaculate Conception, and were placed under obedience to the ordinary of the diocese. Beatrice chose the habit which is white with a white scapular and blue mantle with a medallion of Mary under her title of the Immaculate Conception. Beatrice died in 1492 in the monastery which she had founded. Her remains are still venerated in the chapel of that monastery. Beatrice was beatified on the 28th of July 1926 by Pope Pius XI. Saint Beatrice de Silva, pray. For us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. 
While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come to help them. They came and filled both boats so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at his knees, at the knees of Jesus, and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of the fish they had made seized him and all those with him. And likewise, James and John and the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hadock's commentary this morning said, quote, Such was the excess of St. Peter's humility that he judged himself unworthy the presence of Christ, and by this rendered himself more worthy. So the centurion, for a similar act of self-abasement, merited to hear from truth itself that he was preferred to all Israel. Close quote, Hadock's commentary. He goes on to quote actual uh, St. Gregory of Nazianzus in the 4th century, saying, quote, When Christ commanded Peter to let go the net, as great a quantity of fishes were taken as this Lord of the land and sea wished. For the voice of the Lord is the voice of power at the command of which, in the beginning of the world, light and every created thing sprang into existence. This it was that so much astonished Peter. The close quote, St. Gregory of Nazianzus, pray for us. Well, according to St. Ambrose, it was this miracle that shows Peter was, was to call other laborers, because it was in Peter's boat that our Lord taught. It was in Peter's net that the fish were caught. And it was when Peter called the others to help. Peter being the first among the apostles, sort of the, the hinge, right? I want you to meditate upon that today, the significance of St. Peter. We'll be right back. Angelo Rabuti is coming up next. We're often told that so long as sexual activity is performed between consenting adults, there's nothing morally wrong with what's done. Is this a reasonable way of morally evaluating sexual behavior? I don't think so, and here's why. First, such reasoning justifies disturbing acts like that of Ormond Mivis, who butchered and ate a willing victim that responded to an advertisement placed on the Internet. I don't think we want to say consensual cannibalism is okay. Second, the assertion arbitrarily picks consent as the only aspect of nature's design for sex as having any moral significance. If we must reverence nature's design for consensual sex, then why is it okay to not reverence nature's design for procreation? If it's okay to reject one, well, then it's okay to reject the other. So rather than reverencing consensual sex, this argument undermines it. 
I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we'll have you at the gate and plenty of time for you to get to confession before Mass this evening. Wouldn't it be great if everyone regularly went to confession? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Father Donald Calloway is going to be our guest. He's going to be responding to a video that's been making the rounds again around the internet. It's an older video of an Irish priest lamenting, lamenting these young priests in Ireland with their old school thoughts and ways and traditions and all of that. He will, He'd rather have no priest than those priests and that's a very concerning story. Father Calloway will give us his take at 35 past the hour. Join us if you can. Uh, but uh, you might remember last week we covered the interview by Bishop Robert Barron and Shia LaBeouf, his conversion to Catholicism, his playing St. Padre Pio in an upcoming movie to be released this month, I believe, and uh, how the traditional Latin Mass and St. Padre Pio really deeply affected him. Well, there's a scene in that film that's been released uh, that depicts uh, Shia LaBeouf depicting Padre Pio using the F-bomb in the confessional. I want to play that. I've edited it because we can't play the F-bomb, but I have edited it in such a way that uh, you can uh, get a sense of it. God this, can help you. A woman oh, in the God. confessional with St. Padre Pio in the film. I think God doesn't exist. Why? If you continue behaving the way you behave, you're going to hell. You understand that? You understand that? I don't know if there is hell. You don't know if there's hell? No. You will when you get there. Here it comes. Brace yourself. Get up and get out. Get out. Get out. I have a question for you. Shut the f*** up! Say Christ is Lord! I think Say Christ is Lord! Well. Thank you, Adrian. Say it! That is a very concerning scene, in my opinion, and for many of us who absolutely love St. Padre Pio, we wonder and ask the question, would St. Padre Pio have ever used such vulgar language? He did have a reputation, but to uh, discuss this, we've invited Angela Labuti, who is a, a director in Hollywood. He is a visual effects uh, artist. He is, uh, he is an incredible man. He's working on the Eucharistic Miracles film, but he also is in pre-production on his own Padre Pio film. And he joins us now by Zoom. Good morning to you, Angelo. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for your time today. Praise be to God. We're very grateful for you. Now, you That's also, uh, in addition to, uh, to uh, you know, all the work you do in your Catholic faith, you have a very unique and special connection to St. Padre Pio. Can you share that with us? Sure, sure. Um... Again, that's nothing taken for my merit. Uh, that was just like a, my cousin, uh, uh, which was like a, and that to be my godfather as well. Uh, he was a personal assistant of uh, San Padre Pio for 25 years. Wow. His name is Gerardo De Caro. Uh, he actually helped him to 
clean his wounds, uh, to so many things. I mean, uh, to wash the, the some of the clothes uh, and uh, helping uh, in uh, uh, do, during the mass as well. I mean, uh, mostly when uh, uh, Padre Pio was a little bit more ill and there was you know moving as well. Good. I mean, so we, my Godfather was there uh, almost like a really. Uh, times yes yeah that's amazing and okay so you 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 obviously have a very clear and special connection to say padre pio what is your initial opinion before we get into the vulgar language used in this particular scene what is your initial opinion about the shia labeouf interview with bishop Barron, his conversion experience his portrayal of saint padre pio in general Sure. First of all, I want to I want to do a, my compliment to him, and I mean, and I'm so proud uh, and welcome to the to the family. And uh, I think it's beautiful that in such a short times he was able to get uh, understanding the faith, uh, and in some way, I mean, even uh, stronger than uh, as he proved to uh, Bishop Baron to come up with uh, some beautiful analogy that I never heard before. That really like make you really understand. I mean, it was it's no really faking it, he really, really got the uh, core of our faith. Uh, so that's, I guess, so much hands up to him. And I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really, really proud of him for it. I mean, so this is no uh, a, a critic on him, but it's more about to understanding uh, uh, how a movie works uh, and how the Italian language as well works. And I mean, it's a, uh, I personally am sinful for uh, having said the F words a few times when I came here in this country, because when I was, for example, going to school, when I w- went to school, uh, everybody was saying the F words, okay, every two seconds. Mm-hmm. And uh, I picked it up uh, uh, thinking that it was kind of sounds another F words, uh, ca- kind of F words that we use in Italy, but the meaning is so different. And I mean, uh, uh, the one we say means more like a up, up, up your butt. Ever, ever, ever that kind of uh, since the F word is really strong, yeah, I kind of thought it was, that was the meaning. So I say all the time. And, and uh, after almost like nine years, a friend of mine cons- confronted me and he said, Angelo, you can't say that. I said, What are you talking about? <laughs> I always say, What are you talking about? We, everybody says, No, no, that's really bad. And I didn't know the gravity, how bad is yeah. the F word in this country. Sure. Yeah. So I think there is so much. Uh, to say in that one, to that point of view, and there are also uh, other example like, and then I mean I'm going to like talking about more about the, this kind of like a, what is considered a, a swear word in Italy and what yeah. is considered here. Well, let, but, me, let me just yeah. ask you this. Let me set this up by saying this: Would Saint Padre Pio have used vulgar language? I mean, he has a reputation for for chasing people out of the confessional who refused to be truly uh, repentant and contrite. And he knew that, and so he chased them out. But they would always come back and make good confessions later, and he would hear and absolve them. Um, but would he have used vulgar language to do this? What say you, Angelo Labuti? Yes, so again, I mean, I want to always try to take me away from, from the occasion and, uh, and say what I learned from my godfather. And uh, you guys can see the pictures here. Uh, awesome, dude. And uh, and as well from another last uh, living uh, uh, spiritual son of San Padre Pio, which his name is uh, Adolfo Affatado, mm-hmm. which uh, it was, he wrote a few books about San Padre Pio as well. I mean, it's really uh, it's really known. He traveled all over the world. And I spoke to him actually yesterday. I mean, when you guys text me, I 
I, I didn't want to just say what I remember, what he was being told to me. But I spoke to him and right away he say, what? This is insane. This is the madness. Who that? Who's saying these kind of things? This is like exactly this person. Whoever said this person is absolutely ignorant about El Padre Pio. I mean, I told him that uh, there was some friend. I, I confronted some other newscasts, and he said, "Ah, there is a Franciscan guy said that I mean uh, that uh, support these things." And he said, "This is like it's just a bunch of baloney." I want to know who's who. Who is this priest? Uh, and I'm going to go tomorrow morning right away because wow. he is like San Giovanni Rondo, San Giovanni Rondo, to really like uh, expose this this monk. Uh, for for say for for say this kind of like a lie about San Padre Pio. So that was his reaction. Uh, The way I mean I do remember for some for my godfather speaking, uh, it's like you saying, I mean he was like a really he had this kind of deep voice. And in Italian there is uh, when you get really colorful, when you get really upset uh, like there is even a word here in, in English in when you do acting, they say it's not important what you say, but how you say. It. So sometimes he's, he was really, really godly anger, like Christ flip over the the uh, the tables on the yeah. temple, and uh, it might sound really violent or really, really bad, uh, but if you know the circumstance, circumstances, that makes. The perspective totally changed. I mean, so it's uh, it's important. I mean, I mean, my godfather always told me when Padre Pio get really, really angry, it sounds look like angry to other people. It was not him, and he was really hard on himself as well because uh, he knows. I mean, the Holy Spirit told to to say that because he knew that that was the last way to contact to be unified with that person. Otherwise, that person could or could be damned for the rest of his life. Mm. So. That was his last attempt. Uh, I mean, some people, some people, you have to shake to be yeah. able to uh, to wake up. Then I mean, so uh, like you were doing with any of your friends. I mean, if somebody do something wrong, you go to grab it. Do stop it. I mean, <laughs> so I mean, uh, be effeminate like some priests are. I'm mean, effeminate on the old term in Latin, uh, which uh, which means that somebody is not real, is no is no authentic, is not manly, is uh, not taking responsibility like some priests should do. When somebody sinning and do something really bad, uh, after many times they were going to confession and keeping doing it, obviously that solution didn't bring the, the solution you bring before. They say, no, this is a sin. It's not supposed to do that. Didn't bring any fruits. After you do like four or five times, then he said to say, okay, now I got to change approach. I mean, so I think that's it's really, really important yeah. to understanding the way some Padre P was saying some things. So, yeah. all right, so we're down to about uh, three minutes here left uh, with Angela Labuti. Um, Shia LaBeouf's depiction of Padre Pio using the F-bomb in the in the confessional, I felt like that was offensive to me. I mean, I, I was offended by that and uh, shocked by the use of that, putting that word in Padre Pio's mouth. But from a movie-making perspective, what do you see in this scene here? Do you one? Do you think that they'll release this scene in the actual final edit, or or do you think it'll be cut? I mean, what is your opinion of the of that from a movie making perspective? Uh, first of all, I wanna I wanna uh, again. I mean, I wanna take it off uh, out of from Shia LaBeouf. I mean, it's the director and the editor that uh, are in case guilty for it. I mean, uh, when you're on set, uh, you try so many different takes. I mean, and sometimes you say something that uh, I mean, uh, you're just preparing yourself and you focus and you come up with some other things. So. Uh, 
people have tried to stop him to blame him on, I think it's Judge Shire. I mean, he's not, he's, he's, he's not the guy making the final choice. I mean, he's the director. And sadly, the director is well known to don't be, to don't be like a really a pro Catholic uh, and be uh, done a movie like a really questionable. And uh, he's like, so it's like, a, it, we can re- really, I mean, we have to understand. I mean, the edit, the, I'm surprised too as a filmmaker to see how much an editor as well have, uh, have, have a strong saying at the, towards the end of the movie. The actor is just present at the beginning and leaves when after filming. I mean, but the movie is still work months and months after. I mean, so I hope they're going to take it off. There are so many ways to cheating mm-hmm. in, in filmmaking. I mean, uh, because you want to keep it authenticity about the, the priest uh, and, uh, to Padre Pio, uh, but the, again, I mean, it's a, it's more a choice done from from the director, finally at the very end, or even the producer sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they like to put the twists on this way. It's it become controversial and uh, and they become more popular. I mean, so yeah. suddenly there is lots of these kind of things. I mean, so uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much my point of view. And and the last things too. I mean, when you are on set, uh, not everything goes accordingly for what you're planning to do it. So, uh, sometimes, uh, uh, you, you trying to say something as an actor to wake to having a different kind of outcome for the others actor speaking to it. I mean, so you try to motivate each other to have like a, a good feeling back mm-hmm. and forth. Yeah. I mean, so I, I, I don't see nothing. I mean, I think things can, can have gone in that kind of way. He said mm-hmm. that kind of word as it takes, but it's, okay. uh, it's all about the editor. Yeah. Well, uh, we're out of time, but Angela Labuti, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. And I'm excited about your Padre Pio film. And when you get that uh, more further along, come back. We want to hear more about that project. That looks very, very exciting. So be on the lookout for Padre Pio Christlike by Angela Labuti and others. Uh, but uh, God bless you, Angela. Have a great day. Hey, after this very quick break, we're going to have a news update and Father Donald Calloway. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic view of marriage may be an ideal, but it cannot be a reality? Well, G.K. Chesterton says, it is an ideal in a diseased society, it is a reality in a healthy society. For where it is real, it makes society healthy. We know we cannot make a perfectly healthy society because while we believe in marriage and the church, we also believe in something called the fall of man, which also has an effect on society. But the point is that we believe not just in an ideal, but in something practical. Practical in the sense that we want to make something. We want to create Christian families as opposed to those who are always ready to destroy the family, who give up on the ideal and give in to whatever is easiest at the moment. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Hi, Julie Carrick here, host of We Sing Our Faith, sharing the music and ministry of many of today's Catholic recording artists. I am delighted to be the host of this weekly program on Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central Time. Julie Carrick with We Sing Our Faith, Saturday mornings at 9 o'clock Central, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. The Japan Times says, uh, we're hiring. Babies wanted for Japan Nursing Home. A nursing home in southern Japan is hiring babies for a very important job to keep its elderly residents company and make them smile. 
The salary? Well, the salary is a whopping uh, three diapers and milk formula. New recruits at the facility in Kitakyushu must be under four years old, and their guardians have to sign a contract stipulating that the babies and toddlers can show up for work whenever they feel like it. They are allowed to take a break when they feel hungry, sleepy, or depending on their mood, the contract says. More than 30 babies have signed up so far, tasked with lifting the spirits of more than 100 residents who are mostly in their 80s, said Kimi Gondo, head of the nursing home. The mere sight of babies makes our residents smile, she said, adding with a chuckle that uh, there aren't any shifts or rosters or anything like that. Breitbart reports California artist rebuilds anti-Xi Jinping statue destroyed by Chinese spies. This is a really interesting story. I'm going to be covering it tomorrow in depth in the Memory Hole news segment, so take a look for that. Uh, subscribe to the Catholic Drive Time channel on YouTube, and you'll, you'll see the update there. The story goes, in July, the U.S. Department of Justice indicted two agents of the Department of Homeland Security for working with a ring of Chinese spies whose mission was to intimidate and silence critics of the Chinese communist regime living abroad. One of their victims was an artist named Chen Weiming, whose sculpture blaming China for the coronavirus pandemic was torched by the espionage team in July 2021. The indomitable sculptor has once again recreated the work using non-flammable materials. Chen's statue and its replacement are three-story sculptures of Chinese dictator Xi Jinping with half of his face melted away to reveal a grinning death's head. Xi's hair has been replaced by Hellraiser-type spikes reminiscent of the infamous coronavirus cell, and the base of the statue is labeled CCP Virus, a blood-stained rendition of the communism's hammer and sickle, punctuates the display. And the Daily Wire reports major retailer will lay off 20% of staff and close 150 stores. Bed Bath & Beyond is preparing to cut 20% of its workforce and close up to 150 stores, the company announced yesterday. Among other changes in tactics, Bed Bath & Beyond is shifting its merchandise allocations to prioritize popular national brands and new direct-to-consumer like products. There was a video that started to circulate the interwebs of a priest from Ireland, he was, uh, I think he was just about 70 years, on the doorstep of 70, somewhere in there. And he was lamenting young priests. In fact, his words were he despairs young priests because they seem to embrace the old values, the old school, the tradition, and all of that. And he said it would be better if they didn't have them at all. And that got a lot of attention from Catholics all over the world. And uh, we thought we'd uh, talk about why would why would such statements be said in a country where there was only four new seminarians just this year. And we've invited Father Donald Calloway to give us some insight here. Congregation of the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary, an author of many, many books and uh, speaker, uh, an evangelist and a surfer at that, and he joins us now by phone. Good morning to you, Father Donald Calloway. Hey, good morning, Joe. Good to be with you, buddy. Yeah, praise be to God. It's good to hear your voice again. Uh, I know you're a very busy priest traveling the world. And you you know, one of the reasons why I thought about you is just because you've had a lot to do with young vocations. You've had a lot to do with young men trying to uh, discern God's holy will for their life and taking that leap of faith. So what was your initial reaction when you came across this interview with Father Hoban from Ireland? Well, uh, I mean, I probably can't say what my initial reaction was, because <laughs> I'm just like, what planet is this guy living on? I mean, my experience has been the exact opposite. I mean, we're looking for guys who want traditional values, who want, you know, to celebrate masses with reverence. We want guys who want to wear cassocks and who preach uh, about sin and its consequences. And that's the exact opposite 
of what this priest was saying. So I'm just like shocked. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, yeah. just, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. You know, I watched, it was a 45 minute long interview broken up into three parts. I watched it all. And uh, one of the things that really shocked me is these young priests, they, they want to talk to people about sin. And worse is they want to hear confessions in the confessional box. <laughs> I know. Like that yeah. seems really out of tune. Like, I mean, really displaced. I don't, I can't, Wrap my head around what this man is thinking. I can't either. I honestly don't know. And the fact that he actually said, and people can listen to it themselves, he actually said he preferred not to have priests than, than to have these kind of priests. And I'm like, I just don't get it. I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, do we want to save souls? Or what, what, are, what are you doing? Like, why would you, you know, I don't know this priest, um, but I, I would, if I met him, I'd be like, why did you even become a priest? What? What's your end game here? Like, what are you after? I, I don't understand this. Um, and are, do you and I know the same Jesus Christ? Um, there seems to be a real fundamental problem, an existential problem, I think, that he has with his own identity. I mean, and he wants to push that on others. So kind of sad, uh, very sad, actually. Yeah, that actually got me to the, my biggest concern and question was when I saw that, I was thinking, what exactly does he do? Like what? What does yeah. he do as a priest, and what does he think a priest is? If uh, mm. if you don't, if you're not doing these kind of things, what are you doing as a priest? Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, you know, a priest is called to be a mediator. He's called to, you know, offer the the sacraments, the holy sacrifice of the mass, and to help people to turn away from sin and towards the path of virtue and towards heaven. So what are you doing? I mean, are you just planting trees? Are you, what 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 is your end game? I I just don't understand that. And so you know, when you look through the lives of the saints and the the priestly saints in particular, I mean, their main focus was the glory of God and the salvation of souls. So anything else other than that's a footnote. So you know, I I again, I just don't understand where he's coming from. And it is a sad situation. I mean, like you said. In a, in a country where, I mean, it's just been decimated. Catholicism is like practically dead in Ireland, sadly, tragically. And then you would say this? I mean, that's not going to help the cause, man. Um, how, how messed up? Ireland used to be the great, you know, sending out priests to the whole world. Every parish had a Father O'Malley in it back in the day. Hmm. Now um, it's, it's completely flipped upside down. And you've got guys like this who, who seem to almost want to destroy the church from the inside. I just... It's, it boggles my mind. Yeah, I mean, I several things that he was talking about during his the course of this forty-five minute interview, which, by the way, we'll we will link on the video feed and the social feeds of uh, of today's show, uh, and of course, I can put it in the email that I send out every Friday. So make sure you're on our email list to get that. But uh, nonetheless, he really one of the things that he hammered in the forty-five minute conversation. He brought it up several times, actually. And he talked about the need for married priests. In his world, he's, he said, uh, you know, I, th I think he believes, truly believes, that if we simply allowed for a priest to be married, it would solve all the problems. And furthermore, <laughs> he lamented that these young priests did not act the, like the, the, you know, the peers. They didn't act like mm. other young Irish people, which, by the way, uh, statistically aren't behaving very well these days, it would seem. Um, so it seems very strange. Now, as a priest, 
You've had to embrace celibacy from a life, uh, as we all know, from your conversion experience, which is famous now. Oh, that that must have been difficult at first, but yet grace pours forth and gives you what you need. Is that not the case? No, absolutely. I mean, it's sure it's not an easy vocation, but it's a call. It's it's the Lord calls you to it and he gives you the grace to live it. Um, and you know, for some reason, I, I I mean, I think this priest forgets that. You know, the church does have, in certain rites, you know, many Eastern rites, um, married priests already. And so, acting as though this doesn't already exist in certain parts of the Catholic Church, it does. But we need both sides of this coin. And so, in the Latin rite, we traditionally do not marry. Yes, sometimes there's converts from Anglicanism or something, and they, you know, are ordained Catholic priests, and they have a wife. Okay, but that's the exception. Um, there's a beauty in living this this way of life, a celibate life, because you're totally dedicated to God. I mean, I, I've met married Catholic priests and their wives, and, you know, they say this isn't really the norm, and it shouldn't be, really be promoted. And the wives say that in particular. They're like, because my husband is divided. He's worried about me, as he should be, but he's also worried about his flock, as he should be. And so we need to preserve, you know, celibacy um, in the priesthood, as it stands in the Latin rite. Um, so I don't know where he's coming from. That's not going to solve the problem. The problem is actually, it seems to be what he's complaining about, is sin. Um, he's worried that young priests are preaching against sin. Hello, I mean, what gospel you know, are, are you preaching there, Father? So we've got to turn back to um, calling things out and leading souls um, to growth and holiness. And and again, I mean, I just, I, I, I myself pity this mm. particular priest. I, I pray for him. I really and truly do. Father Calloway, hi, this is uh, Rudy here. And I, I have a question, you know, when, when you became a priest, you were effectively separated from the lady. You became a leader. And, mm. you know, one of the ways that uh, people differentiate uh, a priest from the lady is by the way that they dress, by, by their priestly mm-hmm. dignity, how they act around people. Can you talk a little bit about uh, what that's like, and why do you think that there's there's people who want to blur the line there? Yeah, that is a great point, because, you know, we should not look like everybody else. Um, we should stand out for a uniform, if you will, or an attire that shows that we represent God. We're here. We mean, we mean business here. We're available, because when we're not showing that, um, what are we hiding? You know, just like, again, you know, the priest in the video, he's just wearing like a plaid shirt and a cardigan sweater or something. It's like, buddy, that's not inspiring at all. I don't know any young guy who's going to look at that and go, sign me up, lead, lead me in battle. You know, I mean, the guy doesn't even know who he is. So a priest should be wearing clerical attire. This stuff is in canon law, by the way. I mean, priests should dress as a norm in black clerics and or a cassette. We'll be right back. This is Jesuit Father Robert McTague, host of The Catholic Current, where we bring Christ to the world and the world to Christ. We look at current events through the eyes of faith. I hope you'll join us each Monday and Friday for guests and topics you can't afford to miss. That's The Catholic Current, heard Monday and Friday right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern.
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Your only daughter met a fine young man who was a committed Mormon. She now wants to join his church. What's your answer? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, a reason for no. Doctrinal positions such as the deity of Jesus and the Trinity. Your reason for yes. You deem seemingly moral character as superseding biblical truth. Secondly, orthodoxy. Your answer is probably no. But how and why? Your resistance to Mormon doctrine does not just come straight down from the Bible. It comes from the first five centuries of brilliant theologians, bishops, and popes. These Catholics wrote, debated, and fought for truth. Example, in 250 AD, 311, and 417, three different popes excommunicated three different heretics, Sibelius, Arius, and Pelagius. They denied the Trinity, the eternal deity of Jesus, or taught that human effort warranted salvation. Would your pastor excommunicate a heretic? Well, unfortunately, your pastor can only remove someone from his local congregation. But that's okay. That guy will probably end up being welcomed to the church down the street. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Father Donald Calloway is our guest. Talking about this uh, interview uh, that uh, Father Brendan Hoban from Ireland gave. That was really pretty uh, difficult to understand where he's coming from, but really very disparaging against uh, traditional Catholics, young priests, and even African Catholics, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, Father Calloway is our guest. Good morning, and thank you for being on again, Father Calloway. Um, let me mention the the African thing first. I found that also interesting about this conversation from Father Brendan Hoban. He starts the interview off by really laying out the groundwork about the bad stuff. Like It seems like he acknowledged how mass attendance was down, and the young people are not engaged. They don't even get married in the church, let alone uh, you know try to attempt to live the sacraments. I mean, he was saying the same things that I would say, many people would say, are, you know, that's the problem. Well, this is bad. This isn't good. And then he gets into the priest shortage, and, uh, he's, and the interviewer brings up priests from Africa coming in to fill in, which is a very common occurrence here in the United States. In fact, in my own diocese, uh, I would say if the African priests had to leave town all of a sudden, there would be many shuttered parishes because there would be no priest to say masses there. And he thought this was a bad idea. He thought African priests would never be successful in Ireland because they don't speak uh, proper English according to the dialect there, and so nobody would understand them. They don't understand the culture. So he puts this huge emphasis, and it wasn't a racist thing at all. It was just a cultural thing, and he puts this huge emphasis on living and breathing in the culture today. And I found that it's like, on one hand, you know what the problem is, but on the other hand... You reject anything that might solve that problem in reality. How did you see that? Yeah, I just, I don't understand why he and maybe others who think that way don't see the disconnect between what they say and, you know, like you say, they're, they're, they're acknowledging these issues and they're real and we have a problem. And yet they seem to want to make it worse. Um, Sure, I understand that there might be language issues with African priests or Asian priests coming in or from India or whatever. Okay, fine, right? I understand that. But what you're saying there um, is what about, for example, in the past when the Irish priests went out and were missionaries around the world and evangelized and brought souls into the one true you know, fold, the one true faith, um, they weren't of their culture. And somehow it worked, and it worked well. It worked really well. Well, now that Ireland is suffering so greatly, like so many countries are, 
There's nothing wrong with bringing in priests from Africa. Uh, maybe what he's alluding to is he doesn't like them because they're solid. They're orthodox. They're calling out sin, which he you know, seems to not want to preach against. These are the priests who are coming in and saying that, you know, uh, gay, quote, marriage is not right. Um, those kind of issues. I, something tells me that um, maybe um, those aren't the things that he wants to hear. Well, hmm. too bad, because that's the, the, the timeless truth of the gospel, and it's what saves souls. So, yeah. You know, he also lamented uh, Pope St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI as being anti-Vatican II, and he really wanted a dynamic equivalency in the in the mass. In fact, he mm. he lamented that they took the original Latin and did a literal translation of it into English. He he didn't like that. He wanted it to be dynamic or somehow uh, you know groovy with the times. I'm guessing it's hard to say. Um, but that brings me to sort of the big thing, as he would say, as Father Brendan said in his interview, the elephant in the living room. And that is his very disparaging comments against traditional Catholics, Catholics who embrace the traditional forms of piety uh, and uh, liturgy of the Church. And this is something we're seeing in in much more stark detail today in the Church. There's a division being uh, fomented right now among the body of Christ. And it reminded me of Bishop Tom, Thomas Tobin recently put out a tweet where he said we uh, you know we have to embrace the traditional catholics i go to a traditional catholic church our church is packed in fact uh, I'm, i get annoyed sometimes because it's too packed and uh, there's too many young families with too many kids and and there, it can be noisy at times and and uh but why why do priests like father brendan and others why do they they really fear young more traditionally minded catholics well, I mean, my guess is that maybe it's because with those practices, whether it's the traditional Latin Mass or just traditional practices of piety, those bring with it a very clear black and white catechesis. Um, and a lot of people today don't like that. They want wiggle room. They want, you know, areas that they can call gray. Um, but again, that's not how it is. There is black and white. Um, and so this all-out assault on traditional Catholicism, the traditional Latin Mass, personally, I don't understand what is going on here. I mean, you know, I, I, I know these people. I, I, I love these people, and they are so devout. Um, you know, what was it, three years ago, there was a survey taken in North America among Catholics that showed that 69% of them do not believe in the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. Now, I can tell you right now, that survey was taken among those who do not attend the traditional Latin Mass. That would have been those who attend the Novus Ordo. And I'm not against the Novus Ordo at all. You know, that as long as it's celebrated reverently, praise God. It's wonderful. But had they taken that survey from those who attend the traditional Latin Mass, I guarantee you it would have been 100% believing in the real presence. So there, we got a problem here. I mean, why are these families who are so good, so pious, so devout, so holy, being attacked, uh, I think it, because there's a theology that a lot of people don't like, and they'd like for it to change. And so, ay, 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 we're in a mess, there's division, mm. and um, we need, in my opinion, like a biblical event, brother, to, to, <laughs> to get us back to some common sense and some basics here, because um, we have infighting, and it's, mm. it's not good. You know, some would say that the modernists won at the Council, at Vatican II, mm. 
and we mm. should just get over it and embrace that. Um, but I feel like that's not in keeping with with the the history of the church. The church has wrestled right. back and forth over the centuries, but um, one shouldn't just give up on everything that came before, should they? No, of course not. And plus, here's the thing, is I'm, I'm not convinced that we've ever gotten the Mass of Vatican II. I mean, if you go to your average Catholic parish, Novus Ordo parish, they're actually not doing the Mass according to the actual documents of the Second Vatican Council. I mean, it didn't say jettison Latin. It didn't say get rid of Gregorian chant. It said to emphasize it. Um, so, you know, a lot of people, maybe Father, this priest himself, you know, when they say you're against Vatican II and, and the Mass of Vatican II, buddy, I think you need to look at the documents yourself and realize you haven't been probably celebrating the Mass as Vatican II wanted it to be done. I don't think most parishes are. So mm. there's an agenda. There's some something behind this stuff that's deeper, and I think it's theological. I think that um, there's a big problem here. And so, yeah, this is deep stuff, and, oh, man, we need to pray. We need to pray, pray, pray. Oh, for sure. You know, I, I agree with that. You know, I, I think there's a theological problem here in hand. But, you know, the other thing is when I, I look at a priest like this in his old age, you know, he's really in his last, probably his last years. You know, they're, they're, they're defending a legacy, something that they they had for all of their life. And at the end of their life, they don't want to look back and say, oh, maybe this this was harmful. Maybe this didn't serve the souls that were under my care. What do you think about that? Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, that's just innate within us, right? Especially as men, we want to leave a legacy or we want to leave something behind. Okay, that's understood. But if you've jacked it up and the st all the statistics prove it, just have the humility to say, I jacked it up. I mean, repent and, and, and turn from that and let your repentance um, and your humility be your legacy mm -hmm. and enter the kingdom of heaven. But if you go stubbornly to your grave, when all the statistics prove it was failed, well, gosh, man, <laughs> mm. that's, not, that's not good. So I, I do pray for these men. They're my brothers. It's brother priests, and I want them to be holy and happy and go to heaven. But um, I don't know. Sometimes there's just a stubbornness there. Um, now, you belong to a religious community, and I know that there are religious communities right now who are rejecting good vo holy vocations because those candidates uh, tend to be more traditional and want mm. something that feels more traditional, you know, and I feel like that's a tragedy. How many how many people with holy vocations are being sent home and now are confused about it all? Well, how, what say you, Father Donald Calloway? No, we're looking for good men. We're looking for guys who want to celebrate the Mass with reverence, who, who want to dress as priests, who want to preach against sin. Um, yes, it has to be done with love and compassion and tenderness and mercy. Yeah, duh, it's a no-brainer. But you have to preach the truth. You have to live authentic Catholicism. Um, and that's what we're looking for. And we're flourishing. I mean, we have 26 seminarians right now. Wow. We're cranking out guys left and right. Um, so, you know, that's, and that's the case with so many others. I mean, you look at religious communities of nuns. I mean, it's the ones who wear a habit, who love the faith, who aren't old, frumpy women who are ticked off that they can't be ordained <laughs> and just want to go plant trees and protest at a border or something. Um, I mean, it's the ones who are in love with Jesus Christ and, and want to be his bride that are flourishing. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's a no-brainer to me. And so um, I'm grateful for the vocations that we're getting. They're good men. That was the other thing uh, Father Brendan Holman from Ireland pointed out. 
he really feels the church has always been anti-woman and uh, no. and lamented how anti-woman we are. Now, I don't think he went as far as saying that they should be ordained, but mm. they should be definitely in charge of everything. That's kind of what it sounded like he was saying. And, you know, and that boggles my mind because I love history and I, I like to read and study church history. And, you know, it was because of how pro-woman the church was that many in the early church, many ladies flocked to Catholicism and brought their stubborn pagan husbands with them. Uh, I don't understand how they see the church as anti-women simply because uh, priests are men. Yeah, it's the complete opposite. I, it, this is clueless mentality. I mean, the greatest human person who ever lived was a woman, Our Lady. You know, Jesus is a divine person. So the greatest human person was, was a woman, and she wasn't a priest, and she didn't want to be one. Um, and yet she's greater than any priest. So, where's again, where's the disconnect here? And the church is actually done the opposite of what he said. The church has elevated the the uniqueness of femininity and, and womanhood and motherhood. Um, I, I just don't understand that mentality. Um, so, I, again, I, I just pray for him because there's there's so much confusion there. you got a really quick minute here before we have to say goodbye, but what would you say to a young man who uh, wants more and not less, wants the epic and the divine and the sacred? What would you say to him? you got about seconds. I would say stay close to Our Lady, pray that rosary every day, go to frequent confession, and just, you know, desire holiness, glory of God, salvation of souls. Amen. That's what we're doing. Well said. Praise be to God. Father Donald Calloway, thank you for your time today. We're so grateful to you. You can check him out online at fathercalloway.com. God bless you, Father. We appreciate your time. God bless, brother. That's going to do it for hour number one. Join us in the second hour. We have a lot more in store. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT. God bless. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. How can you turn a simple daily routine, something ordinary that you do every day, into a tool to renew your marriage? Transform a routine into a ritual. Rituals can build up and revive your marriage because it's a routine that has a positive emotional meaning that points to a deeper reality. Rituals can be little things like saying I love you each day before leaving or longer like a daily evening or morning walk together. One couple I know has a forgiveness ritual when they reconcile at the end of every day. Some tips on rituals. Make it a habit so it's easy to maintain. Make it time limited so these are recognizable beginning and end. And the last tip, tie it to something you already do, like brushing your teeth or getting ready for bed. Apathy and indifference can destroy marriages. But by maintaining rituals, it helps marriages weather the storms of life. So if your wife likes it when you bring her flowers, ritualize it. For more tools for your relationship, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Can you really say you know what praying the rosary is all about? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, listen to the who's who of the rosary. We have the Blessed Trinity. We have the Angel Gabriel. We have the Virgin Mary. We have John the Baptist. And we have Elizabeth. So how's that for a cast of sacred ones? Secondly, reflection. While saying the rosary, we reflect on 20 primary and sacred moments that occur in the lives of the Holy Family. 
And thirdly, the rosary dynamics. Here's how you involve this cast of holy ones in praying the rosary. You first invoke the three persons of the Blessed Trinity. Then, on to praying the Apostles' Creed. Then you will pray in Our Father. Then you will recite the angel Gabriel's words to Mary. Then you'll recite what Mary said to Elizabeth. And then you will relive John the Baptist being filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Then you will ask for Mary's assistance in your life. And I'm so glad to say none of that is idolatry. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox. Goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Jerry Trezak. And I'm Jean Trezak, and we're with Marriage Encounter here in Houston. Thank you for listening to Catholic Radio and KSHJ, 1430 AM, on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Hector Molina is going to be our guest here in just a little bit. We're going to be covering the Sunday Gospel, getting you ready for Holy Mass this Sunday. In advance, meditating, pondering, diving deep, upon the Holy Gospel, but uh, two great conversations last hour, if you missed them. Now, here's the good news. Uh, Angelo Labuti, so his godfather was a personal assistant to St. Padre Pio for like 24 years. His cousin was one of St. Padre Pio's spiritual sons. So uh, Angelo has a very close connection to St. Padre Pio and, uh, you know, we were discussing whether or not St. Padre Pio would have used vulgar language in his uh, discourse with penitent souls, because in this Shia LaBeouf movie, there is a scene uh, where he is using the F-bomb. We, we did play the cut. I did edit that out. So, you know, shock value there. But uh, nonetheless, and it's an interesting question. If, in fact, St. Padre Pio never used such vulgar language, would it be okay then for an actor to depict him in that way? How would we feel about that? What do we think about all of that? So Angelo Labuti's conversation about that was very fascinating to me. The good news is he's going to be on with us again coming up at the second half of this hour to continue that conversation during our after show. So if you would like to maybe ask Angelo direct questions about, you know, uh, his family's connection to St. Padre Pio, you're, you're welcome to do so in one of our live video chats, which is going to be all linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. And, of course, we had a great conversation with uh, Father Donald Calloway about uh, sort of that reaction to this video that's been making its way around the Internet yet again. Now, the Father Brendan Hoban video is not new. It is actually pretty old, but it's been making new rounds, and sort of uh, everybody's been seeing it for the first time. They didn't catch it back in 2014, so they're reacting to it, and uh, I think for good reason. Uh, Ireland's not doing well. So I really appreciated Father Calloway's response to that. I will include all of this in our weekly email to the CDT Insider. So if you're not on the email list, let me encourage you to get in on the email list today, because tomorrow I will share with you the links to the interview itself. So that way uh, you don't have to go searching for Father Brendan Hoban. I'll link all of it to you. You can watch his entire commentary personally and then you can go back and listen to Father Donald Calloway's comments about that and the email. So, again, to get in on the CDT Insider email, just go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, 
and you can sign up for the insider email there. Or you can pull out your cell phone and text the letters GRN to the number 42828. That's GRN to the number 42828. And uh, again, good morning to you, uh, Damon and Tammy and uh, and uh, Zero BKR. And uh, good morning to you, Jay Coke and the, and the crew, Mike K., Hanging out with us this morning, uh, Josh Patterson and Ashley. Good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us on our our Telegram group, which, by the way, I will give access to the Telegram group in this week's email as well. But uh, interesting conversations, Rudy. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, it's it's good to have those kinds of conversations. Although the video is old, uh, there are a lot of priests who have that sort of opinion these days. And um, as we mentioned in the video, uh, rather in the interview. Uh, Ireland doesn't really have a lot of vocations to begin with, and uh, that's still the trend. So we have to pray for Ireland. We have to pray for the reversion of all of these uh, wonderful countries that used to be really fervent in the faith. I think yeah. uh, they have a, a part to play still to uh, to convert the, the nations of the world. Yeah. And what was your hot take on Angelo's commentary on Padre Pio, Shia LaBeouf, and all of that? I completely agree. I, I I agree with you, Joe. Particularly, I don't think a saint should be represented that way. Uh, you're putting words that he would never say in his mouth, and um, I I think also on the other hand, uh, it is the the role of the director. It's the role of the director to to make sure that the depiction is is accurate. And in this case, it seems. Maybe we should step back and not really blame Shia as much, but yeah. the director, the editor, all of yeah. these uh, different people in the um, the nexus of the film, you mm-hmm. know, to to make sure that it it comes out a proper way. And I yeah. think I don't think he intimated it as much, mm-hmm. but I think he has an opinion, and I think this is a right one. If you're making a film about a Catholic, yeah. You really ought to be a Catholic. Uh, a practicing saint, someone so yeah. monumental as Saint Padre exactly. Pio. Exactly. It's not like just he's not making a movie about me. Right. You know, it's it's about someone who's is pretty epic. But but you need to know about the faith. You need to know about the, the things we believe, yeah. why we do the things that we do in order yeah. to make a good film. I agree. And if you're not Catholic, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think you should be making films about Catholics. Well, I think that's valid. We'll conversate more about that in the after show. So join us at 30, 30 past this hour for more on that. But joining us right now via telephone is my good friend Hector Molina. Good morning to you, Hector. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. How are you? I am blessed. And uh, yourself? Uh, I'm alive. That counts, doesn't it? It is. <laughs> <laughs> we were just having fun conversation about Padre Pio, Shia LaBeouf, and all of that, and uh, the use of the F-bomb in the confessional. Uh, but nonetheless, let's switch to something more edifying for the moment, and that's this, <laughs> the gospel for this Sunday, which looks like it's uh, Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 33. What do we see there? Well, what we have here is essentially a a nuclear bomb that Jesus is dropping uh, it's a wonderful follow-up to your uh, last conversation because Jesus does not mince words. Uh, he's certainly not dropping any F-bombs here, <laughs> but he does use the H word, which is a bit startling, meaning the word hate. Mm. Essentially, he is outlining for all those who are following him. He's amassed an incredible following. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He set his face to Jerusalem, and because of his many signs and wonders, his preaching and teaching, uh, people are swept up with enthusiasm. And so he looks and he recognizes that he has a huge multitude following him. And so he, being the Messiah and the Master, wants to 
dissuade anyone who has a false understanding of his messiahship that they really need to assess the demands of discipleship. And so here in this short passage from Matthew chapter 10, he outlines the demands of discipleship. And one of those demands, he starts off by saying, do not think, hold on one second here, give me, I got it. It says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And so many people bristle at this, I think for obvious reasons, because we hear the word hate and we're saying, wait a minute, Jesus is teaching hate here to hate our our mother, father, doesn't that go against the commandment of God? Didn't Jesus a little earlier say, love your enemies? And now he's saying, you have to hate your family members? What gives there? Mm-hmm. And it's really simple to parse out because Jesus here is using hyperbole. Rabbis oftentimes, in order to teach effectively, they would engage certain techniques. And this was one of those techniques of exaggerated speech. And the word miseo is the Greek word that's employed here. And elsewhere in the Bible, we find this being used. For example, in Genesis 29, 30 and 31, we read, So Jacob went into Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah, and served Laban for another seven years. When the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So there in Genesis 29, in the whole situation, uh, and, and, and really it was a bad situation with regard to Jacob, who had to work for a total of 14 years to be able to be betrothed to his beloved Rachel. In the meantime, his father-in-law, Laban, basically gave him her sister, Leah. And it says here, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. But then in the next verse, it says, when the Lord saw that Leah was hated. So that's an example of that kind of exaggerated speech. It's not that Jacob hated Leah, but he favored and loved Rachel more. And what we find is Jesus is using that same technique of Semitic hyperbole to exaggerate something. And if you want further proof of that, you go to the parallel verse in Matthew chapter 10. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, Jesus says, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So in order to understand that word hatred, we need to understand the context. And when you look at Matthew 10, which is the parallel text, it gives us that context. We, Joe, essentially cannot love anyone or anything more than Jesus. If we do, we're guilty of idolatry. And Jesus is not mincing words here in the gospel. He talks about bearing our cross. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And then he talks about counting the cost. Mm. Now, I know about you. I have a, a smartphone, <laughs> and we always get those notifications that say we have to kind of uh, check out the terms and conditions in order to upload the new operating system. And I know you, Joe, you read every word of that document. Yes, in the original language, too. (laughs) (laughs) You keep scrolling until your finger is numb and is about to fall off. And then after you've read the document, uh, five months later, you click that agree button in order to download your software. 
like everyone does, right? No one reads this document. You flip through it in order to get to that agree box, you check it, and you're done. Well, the same thing I would submit happens to us with regard to the gospel. Jesus very clearly, he doesn't mince words, these are the conditions if you want to be my disciple. And we do not, I say by and large, take the time to really understand the terms and conditions of discipleship. This is not for the Mm -hmm. faint-hearted. And if we love anything or anyone in our lives more than we love Jesus, then we are idolaters, and we must repent of that. And each and every one of us has to search his or her soul to examine whether or not we truly love Jesus as he demands Mm. and as he deserves. I think it's that last verse, though. It's verse 33 in Luke 14. I think that gets me. He says, any one of you who who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. And that, I think, is a punch to a gut to most of us because we we white-knuckle this thing. We're holding on super tight to our possessions, to our things, to the things of this world. And the Venerable Bede would say, but there is a difference between renouncing all things and leaving all things, for it is the way of few perfect men to leave all things, that is, to cast behind them the cares of the world. But it is the part of all the faithful to renounce all things, that is, so to hold the things of the world as by them not to be held in the world. And, close quote, there will be pray for us. But uh, I think the point I'm making is, if we, if we stop to think about it, we probably covet material things way more than we give, Absolutely. we admit. Absolutely. There's a real issue there for all of us, because we're earthly creatures. And in this temporal world, with all the allures, that, that, that drive us and that motivate us, it is so easy for us to become unhealthily attached. And so talk about soul searching. Every one of us has to renounce everything, not just some things, <laughs> but mm. everything for the sake of Christ. And that, that holy detachment is what essentially Jesus is calling us to. We have an example of that in Matthew 19 with the rich young man he says, go sell all that you have. Well, wait a minute, Jesus. I, I can get rid of most of my portfolio, but really, I, I, I have to keep <laughs> some of it, you know? Right. But Jesus, really, he doesn't pose it just to this rich young man, but all of us. Are we willing to forsake all mm. for the kingdom? And that's a tough question, Joe. For yeah. each and every one of us, we all have idols that are in our lives that we must on a daily basis renounce for the sake of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. This is what Jesus demands and nothing less. Fairweather disciples, they abound. And, and certainly we must not point the finger at others, but really look within and examine our souls, whether or not we are actively detaching from the things of this work. Renunciation. Yeah. And so I would just submit to, to your listeners that the next time they go to confession, that they prepare their souls, that they really examine the idols in their lives. There's a wonderful examination of idols that people can get online. That way we can examine what are the idols in our lives right now. Hey, we're, we're out of time, but you can check out Hector's uh, content on his website, HectorMolina.com. That's HectorMolina.com. Great stuff. I highly encourage you to do so. Hector, God love you, my brother. Thank you for being on, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Joe. Dive deep into sacred scripture. Coming up after the break, fear and trembling time. Prizes are at stake, and you can win. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 
The Bible clearly says that Jesus had brothers and sisters, but the Catholic Church teaches that Mary was a perpetual virgin. How can that be? Mark 6 verse 3 says, Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? Point number one to consider. There is no word for cousin or for nephew or for niece, aunt, uncle in ancient Hebrew or Aramaic. The words that the Jews used in all those instances were brother or sister. An example of this can be seen in Genesis 14, 14, where Lot, who was Abraham's nephew, is called his brother. Another point to consider, would the last thing that Jesus did on earth be to grievously offend his surviving brothers? Right before Jesus dies, John 19 tells us that Jesus entrusted the care of his mother to the apostle John. If Mary had any other sons, this would have been an incredible slap in the face to them that the apostle John was entrusted with the care of their mother. Also, we see from Matthew 27, 55, and 56 that the James and Josephs mentioned in Mark 6 as the brothers of Jesus are actually the sons of another Mary. And one other passage to consider, Acts 1, verses 14 to 15, speaks of a company of about 120 persons that consist of the apostles, the women, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. Let's see. There were 11 apostles at the time. Jesus' mother makes 12. The women, probably the same three women mentioned at the crucifixion in Matthew 27, but let's say it was maybe a dozen or two, just for argument's sake. That puts us up to 30 or 40 or so. So that leaves the number of Jesus' brothers at about 80 or 90, according to this scripture passage. Do you think Mary had 80 or 90 children? She would have been in perpetual labor. No, Scripture does not contradict the teaching of the Catholic Church about the brothers of Jesus when Scripture is interpreted in proper context. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show where we have secrets and agendas that we just don't tell anybody about them. All right. But what you need to do if you want to play the game, possibly win some prizes, call right now. Phone lines are wide open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call right now at 877-757-9424. All right. Technically, he's sitting, but nonetheless, He's ready for your call at 877-757-9424. First caller gets to play the game at 877-757-9424. If you've never played, it's fun. I promise. I'll explain. Uh, but if it's been a while, you can try calling back. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. 877-757-9424. There are... A few things we do on the down low. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something that you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And our callers are amazing, especially when they make that phone call at 877-757-9424. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which means, you know, everybody's incentivized to do this. You, it's fun, you have a good time, you learn something, and you win prizes at 877-757-9424. Now, here's the kicker, right? So th there's always a kicker. There's always a catch 
Here's the catch. We don't ask the callers the questions. They don't need to know. They might not know a single correct answer, but could still win the game. All right, so that's the sneaky little trick. Instead of asking them, we ask Adrian and Rudy. And Rudy and Adrian will give us answers. One of them will give us a correct answer. The other one will give us an incorrect answer. And then the caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? And then if they get that right, then that goes into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Saints of Heart. The winner this week is going to receive one of their beautiful mm. pieces of jewelry. Ooh. Now, their jewelry, it features uh, sacred imagery, such as the three hearts, the sacred heart of our Lord or the immaculate heart of our, our blessed mother or the chase heart of St. Joseph. Can't forget the chase heart, right? Yeah. So uh, take a look at their store if you want to pick some up for yourself. You're, you know, maybe you're coming up. Uh, well, if you want to get your Christmas shopping done early, you can take a look at saintsofheart.com because they feature some wonderful Catholic gifts for him and her. Personally, as I mentioned before, yeah. if you go on their Etsy store, Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, you could do either or. You can go to saintsofheart.com or you can go to their Etsy store and search for Saints of Heart. Yeah. They feature silk ties. What? I'm like, whoa, silk ties with the Sacred Heart on like it? I've never seen worms? any. Like so, what are we talking about? Yeah, here? I'm talking about real silk. 100%. Not like spider silk, but silk worms? I don't know. I don't know where it comes from. Mm. Are there different, there's different ones? Yeah. Well, spider anyway. silk versus silk worms. I want to get silk from goats. Hard to say. <laughs> hard, hard to find uh, a silk tie featuring the Sacred Heart. So, check Baller. them out. Thank Baller, you so much, Saints of Heart. As the kids say these days, baller. <laughs> Ballin'. All right. Saintsofheart.com. God love you. Thank you for being so generous and giving us prizes to give away. We are so very grateful. Let's go to the phones. Hey, Cindy and Jeff, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. Where are you calling from? Louisville, Texas. Louisville, Texas. Uh, what is Louisville, Texas famous for? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> we stumped him. Uh, yeah, that was your first trivia question. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> it's, not, it's not going well, Cindy and Jeff. I'm, I'm teasing. I'm, I'm just teasing. Uh, well, uh, Louisville, that's the Dallas-Fort Worth area, right? Yeah, it is. North Dallas. North Dallas. Uh, well, nice. the good news is you're within an hour of a Bucky's, so you can give God praise for that. There's something north of Dallas? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, we're about wow. 20 minutes one right here so yeah it's not bad yeah hey. so your life is actually looking pretty good now where do you go to church cindy and jeff we we go to saint catherine of siena in Carrollton, texas wow i have been there about a decade ago praise be to god and uh are you familiar with the game do you know how all of this works yes we are praise god thankfully I was afraid uh, I'd have to explain the rules again. Now, you do know, of course, I'm on your side. It's just us. Me, you, Cindy, Jeff. It's us against them. Are you ready? What? We're ready. You're ready. very confident. I like that. All right. We will start with Team Rudy, as is our tradition, our custom, which, by the way, is wearing a tie today. Now, this one is uh, a blue field with uh, those, uh, what do you call those things? Red paisleys. As paisleys. If perhaps uh, the, the fires that appeared, uh, the Holy Ghost fires oh, that I appeared above the heads of the apostles. When I was a kid, I as thought if. paisley-like symbols on ties were for the rich folk. Really? Yeah. I only saw those ties at Dillard's. You know, hmm. And uh, I thought, how cool would it be to own the entire tie collection at a Dillard's one day? <laughs> you can if you go to a thrift store. If you can. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Praise be to God. Uh, are you sure? Yes. Mm-hmm. Can we start with a trick question? 
Okay. A tricky, tricky question. Sure. All right. Let's do it. Tell me, um, because, in fact, this, this is very relevant to something that just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. What is the maximum number of cardinals allowed to participate in papal elections? This should be very concerning to everyone. Because mm-hmm. the set number is 120. Is it? Yes. Uh, okay. Um, you, fill like in, a, you fill in the uh, the rest there. Are we like at 130 Cardinals right now? Well, as them. of this week? Yeah. Interesting. Concerning, no? Okay. Hmm. Uh, let's just see what uh, Adrian says. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning, good morning. Now, did I see on Twitter that you have advanced degrees in Cardinal Theology? Yes, in fact, I have a uh, PhD in Cardinal Electors. Cardinal Electors? Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder what the fancy uh, Latin term for that is. That you're... Degrees. Uh, you just add a note to it. It's like oh, Spanish. Electoros. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Same thing as Spanish. Got it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Except you... in Spanish, you add an L at the beginning. La Electoros. Okay. Could you tell me what is the maximum number of cardinals allowed to participate in papal elections, please? Of course. Of course. The maximum mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. is 53. Really? Mm-hmm. 53? 53. No more? Huh. And I guess you could technically have less. We're not at 130 something right now. Um, okay. What's up with that? All right, Cindy and Jeff, you got options. The the canon law allows for a maximum number of papal electors. Is it 53, as Adrian says, or is it 120, as Rudy is suggesting? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Cindy and Jeff, what say you? We um are thinking we're going to go with Rudy's answer of 120. 120. Survey says... <laughs> a, buck, <laughs> a buck 20. 120 is the correct answer, according to Ken Law. And yes, we are actually over that number. Uh, hopefully, once the bunch retire, we'll get back down to 120. All right, you're in the cup. You're in the cup. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see if we can't uh, double your chance with the easiest question of all time. Uh, in fact, uh, we probably shouldn't even ask. It's just too darn easy. It's just it's a give me. But let's try it anyway. We're going to go to Adrian first. Adrian, can you tell me? Maybe. Tithing represents giving how much of one's income or wealth? Ah, this is a trick question, Joe. Is it? It is. You're trying to get me. Okay. (laughs) But I'm too smart for that. I can tell. I have advanced degrees in Mm -hmm. tithing. Okay. And I have been reliably informed that I don't need to give anything. (laughs) Really? Instead, I can just donate my time to the church. Give up your your talent. And your talent. Give up your heart. Okay. I give my time and talent instead. Uh, so, all right, so time, talent. Okay, mm-hmm. that's your answer. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Rudy, could you tell me tithing represents giving how much of one's income or wealth? Are you talking about ties? No, tithe. Oh, like tithe. Spanish version, tithe. I tithed my tithe this tithe. morning. Okay. Uh, but actually, if you're talking about tithing, you're talking about helping the church mm-hmm. uh, with her financial needs. Uh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. traditionally, it's 10%. 10%? 10% of your entire income. Huh. Some say before taxes, other people say after taxes. I see. I see. Okay. Uh, well, I don't All know. Right. I don't know what to answer I, in that regard. But. I see. I've, I've read something about this in the Bible once. But uh, Cindy and Jeff, the answer is: uh, is it ten percent, as Rudy is suggesting, or is it time and talent, as Adrian is trying to get us to believe? Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you? Time and talent is very important. But, but the, it's suggested for the 10%. So, so this is kind of tricky. I don't know that this is a fair question because... I need an answer. <laughs> we're going to run out. All right, Rudy, Rudy, we're going for 
Okay, seriously. <laughs> now, do you think do you think it's before taxes or after taxes? Uh, well, well, let's just save that well, for the after. Yeah, we're gonna the word tied literally means ten, like yeah. a tenth, tenth, ten percent, ten percent. Now, it's a precept of the church that we have to give, and ten percent is the standard. But nonetheless, time and talent we should also give. All right, we got to go on to the third question. Could be a perfect score. You're doing great so far. Uh, back to Rudy. Rudy, what is the term used to describe how the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and the Son? Ah, uh, yes. Very simple term. Trags, transmogrification. Trans whom? Transmogrification. Gesundheit. What Thank was you. that? Transmogrification. Oh, okay. Adrian, maybe you could help. What is the term used to describe how the Holy Ghost proceeds from the Father and the Son? We say it every Sunday in the Creed. <sighs> It is spiration, a breathing out spiration. Really? Mm-hmm. Mm, this is not a tricky question, Sydney and Jeff. What is the term? We don't say this term in the creed, but we refer to do it anyway. Is it spiration, as Adrian says, or transmogrification, as Rudy wants us to believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Sydney and Jeff in Louisville, Texas. What say you? Without hesitation, I am saying Adrian with what? spiration. What? what? <laughs> Without hesitation. Did you hear that, Joe? Cindy, I may not count that answer because it seems like you broke the clearly of the show. Clearly, Cindy and Jeff are the most attractive of couples ever. Ever. Okay. The greatest of spouses. Wise and astute. wise, beautiful. <laughs> Clearly. Spiration is the correct answer. Congratulations. That was a tricky one, but you're in the cup. Perfect score. Well done. Thanks for playing our game and having a chuckle with us today, Cindy and Jeff. I'm going to put you guys on hold. God bless you. That is going to do it. We'll see you in the after show. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today is Thursday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Christ is the world's light, he and none other. Born in our darkness, he became our brother. If we have seen him, we have seen the Father. Glory to God on high. Christ is the world's peace. He and none other, 
No one can serve him and despise the other. Who else unites us, one in God the Father? Glory to God on high. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done, in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. God of might, giver of every good gift, put into our hearts the love of your name, so that by deepening our sense of reverence, you may nurture in us what is good, and by your watchful care keep safe what you have nurtured. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you considers himself wise in this age, let him become a fool so as to become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. For it is written, God catches the wise in their own ruses. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. So let no one boast about human beings, for everything belongs to you, Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or the present or the future. All belong to you, and you to Christ, and Christ to God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it. To the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it. The Lord's are the earth and its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. To the, the Lord, Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it. Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? Or who may stand in his holy place? He whose hands are sinless, whose heart is clean, who desires not what is vain. To the, the Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord, a reward from God his Savior. Such is the race that seeks for him, that seeks the face of God, that seeks the face of the God of Jacob. To the, the Lord, Lord belongs the earth and all that fills it. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. 
。阿肋路亚，阿肋路亚，阿肋路亚。Come after me, says the Lord, and I will make you fishers of men. Hallelujah! 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 The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch." Simon said in reply, "Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing, but at your command I will lower the nets." When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, "Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man." For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him, and all those with him. And likewise, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, "Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men." When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. It was in the reference to the first reading. That the wisdom is, that the why the wisdom of this world is foolishness in the eyes of God. That Saint Justin Martyr said that a four-year-old child, who is able to make an act of faith in Jesus Christ, has more wisdom than the wise of this world, who, with all of their study and all of their knowledge, cannot perceive the incarnate wisdom, who is Jesus Christ. And this is a Thing that what converts people, what catches men, is not all, mostly not well-formed intellectual arguments. The place for apologetics is to remove obstacles to people so that they can enter into, you know, a, a serious inquiry of of the faith of the faith of Jesus Christ. And but what really catches men is Jesus, the love of God. Made incarnate, and what's most important to find to bring about conversion is to facilitate an encounter, a living encounter, with the real Jesus Christ through the sacred liturgy of the church. Recently, we all know about、uh, Shia LaBeouf, who the famous actor, who was、uh, you know he had an encounter with Christ through the Holy Mass, and that was ultimately what. What converted him? I just found out this morning the Vatican is is open to meeting with him and discussing his conversion.、Um, and the, the truth is that Jesus in the Eucharist just needs to be unleashed. We need to unleash the Lion of the Tribe of Judah and let people encounter that sacred mystagogy, the sacred
uh, power of Christ in the Eucharist. There's so many times with young people, particularly, who seem to be hardened and unreachable, that if they would go to one of these retreats where they show they have adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, that Jesus Himself would be the one to speak to their hearts and to uh, to you know show them. But how do we get there? Well, you have to be a living encounter with Christ because people aren't even willing to come into the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Jesus said, I give my flesh for the life of the world. And that means the world that he so loved, that he, gave, that he came to die for, is the same world that we have to have that love and that zeal uh, to, to follow Jesus. And that's the, the other power of the Eucharist is that apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. If we try on our own, we can fish all night and we can, on our own attempts, but by obedience to, to God and obedience to Jesus, who said, cast out your nets, in ultim, cast into the deep, that we can set, cast forth nets into the depths of humanity. With Jesus, we can have a harvest that is super abundantly fruitful. And ultimately, how do you portray, how do you reveal Jesus in the Eucharist? That has to be with, with kindness. As Fulton Sheen said, the three things that bring people into the Catholic Church are kindness, kindness, and kindness. Uh, what does that look like? Well, in Asia, where they're doing lots of work ad gentis to people who have never heard of the gospel, they've never really seen the face of Christ, they do works of mercy. In fact, in, in a lot of uh, Buddhist countries, where the those who have some kind of disease or those who are in some way have misery, according to the Buddhist uh, idea, they are cursed. They are they receive the universe has you know somehow done something to them because they they deserve it. But for a Catholic, they are Christ in disguise. That we are ministering to Jesus in in God comes in by way of his humility in the form of human misery. And so for a, a Catholic. It's seen as a sanctifying thing, and this is what is converting people. <clears throat> in all sorts of uh, nations where they, they have never heard of Jesus, it is works of mercy that reveal the face of the authentic face of Jesus Christ. May our works of mercy, may our, our participation in the Most Holy Eucharist, and through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, may we bring forth a harvest of uh, catching a great deal of men for for God let us bring let us uh, stand and as we offer our petitions we pray for the whole church that it may be super abundantly fruitful in catching souls and bringing them to Christ for this we pray to the Lord Lord hear our prayer we pray for our Holy Father O bishops and priests we pray to the Lord Lord hear our prayer we pray for government leaders for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for the sick, the suffering, the poor. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray for all of our beloved dead. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary, as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
To fishermen who lived along the Sea of Galilee, stood by the shore to cast their nets in order to an ageless sea. Now Jesus watched them from afar, then called them each by name. It changed their lives, their simple men, they'd never be the same. Leave all things you have and come and follow me, and come and follow me. And as he walked along the shore, t'was James and John he'd find, and these two sons of Zebedee would leave their boats behind. Their work and all they held so dear they left beside their nets. Their names they'd heard to Jesus called, they came without regret. Leave all things you have and come and follow me, and come and follow me. Leave all things you have and come and follow me, and come and follow me. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. May this sacred offering, O Lord, confer on us always the blessing of salvation, that what it celebrates in mystery it may accomplish in power through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word, through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin. Fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people, he stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with the angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Terra, Gloria Tua. Hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine domini. Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, and all you have created rightly gives you praise. For through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, by the power and working of the Holy Spirit, you give life to all things and make them holy and you never cease to gather a people to yourself, so that from the rising of the sun to its setting, a pure sacrifice may be offered to your name. Therefore, O Lord, we humbly implore you, by the same Spirit, graciously make holy these gifts we have brought to you for consecration, that they may become the body and blood of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, at whose command we celebrate these mysteries. For on the night he was betrayed, he himself took bread. And giving you thanks, he said the blessing, broke the bread, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and giving you thanks, he said the blessing, 
and gave the chalice to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, O Lord, as we celebrate the memorial of the saving passion of your Son, his wondrous resurrection and ascension into heaven, and as we look forward to his second coming, we offer you in thanksgiving this holy and living sacrifice. Look, we pray, upon the oblation of your church, and recognizing the sacrificial victim by whose death you will to reconcile us to yourself. Grant that we who are nourished by the body and blood of your Son, and filled with his Holy Spirit, may become one body, one spirit in Christ. May he make of us an eternal offering to you, so that we may obtain an inheritance with your elect, especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, with your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of all reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth, with your servant Francis our Pope, Michael our Bishop, the order of bishops, all the clergy, and the entire people you have gained for your own. Listen graciously to the prayers of this family, whom you summon before you in your compassion, O merciful Father. Gather to yourself all your children scattered throughout the world, to our departed brothers and sisters, and to all who are pleasing to you at their passing from this life. Give kind admittance to your kingdom. There we hope to enjoy forever the fullness of your glory, through Christ our Lord, through whom you bestow on the world all that is good. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Recepti salutaribus moniti, divini institutioni formati, audehimus dicere, Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctifice tuur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, iat voluntas tua, sicut in celo et in terra, panem nostrum quotidianum, da nobis odie, et dimite nobis debita nostra, Sicud et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amado. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, and by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. 
For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace, I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, Dona nobis pacem. Behold, the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Antiphon, how great is the goodness, Lord, that you keep for those who fear you. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Adoro te devote, latens deitas, ve subis figuris vere latitas. Tibi secor meum totum subicit, quia te contemplans totum deficit. Visus tartus gustus in te falitur, sed auditus solo tuto creditur. Credo quid quid dixit Dei filius, nil hoc verbo veritatis verius. In cruce latebat sola deitas, ad hic latet simul et humanitas. 
Ambotam en credens ad quae confitens, peto quod petivit latro penitens. Plagas sicut Thomas non intueor, Deum tamen meum te confiteor. Ac me tibi semper magis credere, in te spem habere te diligere. Amen. Let us pray. Renewed by this bread from the heavenly table, we beseech you, Lord, that being the food of charity, it may confirm our hearts and stir us to serve you and our neighbor through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. God, we praise you. God, we bless you. God, we name you Sovereign Lord, Mighty King whom angels worship, Father by your church adored. All creation shows your glory. Heaven and earth draw near your throne. Singing, Holy, 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 Lord of hosts and God alone. True apostles, faithful prophets, saints who set their world ablaze, martyrs once unknown, unheeded, join one growing song of praise. While your church on earth confesses one majestic trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God our hope eternally. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. 
Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life, this is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Serving God's Holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, this is 